We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and happy Saturday. It's the Bob Rose Rewind. It's also Rock the Red Day. For more information on what's going on, Ocala... Go to rocktheredflorida.com. Right now, oh, one of the featured guests is none other than Bryson Gray, who's joining us right now. You might not be totally familiar with the name. He's a Christian conservative artist, rapper, producer, and personality. But when I say MAGA, ain't got no color, and let's go, Brandon. Oh, yeah. Now you uh, might know. Hey, good morning, Bryson. How you doing? <laughs> hey, good morning, y'all. What's up? So did you get rich off of YouTube or what? <laughs> uh, no, sir. I did, I did not. Let's go, Brandon. Got banned off of YouTube, so I missed that money wave. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So you're a Christian conservative, but yet you're a rapper. You're a black man. How in the world did you end up in the in the support Trump camp? Um. So I was. I've never not supported Trump. So like, I grew up in the hip hop community. Everybody has always like viewed Trump as a, like a good businessman. Everybody always mentioned Trump in their music. Uh, this like in Trump was like very recent, and I just simply didn't hop on that train. Okay, uh, all right. Um, and I've had Herschel Walker on the show and stuff like that, who said, uh, you know, this stuff about calling Donald Trump a racist has got to stop. He says I've known him for forty years. He's not a racist. Um, do you ever encounter people of color who question that? Hey, uh, why are you hanging out with that racist guy? <laughs> all of the time, um, especially in the beginning. Now, not so much because Joe Biden is doing such a terrible job that people are like bring Trump back. But uh, in the beginning, I used to get death threats from people in my hometown, like not internet death threats, like real life death threats. Uh, but, but it has sort of changed since then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how else to make it so obvious that, you know, the powers that be, you know, the folks on the left, I mean, they really want to separate us by, you know, by class and by color. And, and I know, you know, you're younger than me. You're like 31. But, I mean, I, I actually remember being taught about Martin Luther King Jr. and judge each other by the content of your character, not by the color of your skin. But with this uh, uh, this stuff they're pushing now, it's just the opposite. What are your thoughts on that? Um, my first best friend, was his name was John, and he was white. Um, I think all of this, this racial stuff, I think it's uh, tension created by the media and it's sort of spilling out into regular society, but it isn't real. When I go to the grocery store uh, or the gas station, you don't just break out yelling at each other over race. Everybody says hey to each other. Everybody holds the door for each other. So I think people need to focus on what's happening in reality versus the, so, versus the media. Yeah. Uh, one of the concerns is under the Biden administration, basically open the border wide open. I, I haven't met anybody who can truly defend that action, especially if you mention the fact that fentanyl, 
has killed well over 100,000 people in one year and working on those numbers being even higher, yet the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it. What's going on here? Fentanyl, um, fentanyl if, you, if you mix that in with obesity, those are two of the biggest killers in this country currently. And then also with the border being open, people don't like to talk about this, but the illegal immigrants flooding in, the borders being open, that is sort of contributing to the cost of housing now also. And a lot of people don't like to add that factor uh, into what's going on in this country. But nobody wants to close the borders because it's racist. Did you know that? Did you know closing our border like every other country is racist? Not just closing it, even having a dialogue or a discussion about what we should do about immigration and should we reform it, should we make it easier, what should we do? I mean, if you even want to have a dialogue, They'll, they'll call you racist or xenophobic when all you're trying to do is, hey, um, we have a great nation here, a sovereign nation. We didn't want just anybody to come in because along with all the illegals who might want a better life, how many people on the terrorist watch list are coming? How many people bringing fentanyl in are coming? Uh, how many people, uh, you know, with, that are dealing in human trafficking? Well, that's, that's what the left wants, though. The left, the left don't, want you to, don't want you to have a conversation to create words and they use the words against you to shut you up and that actually works a lot like a lot of people on the right are scared of being called racist are scared of being called homophobic so people are afraid to have the real conversations that needed to be had and uh we have to we have to like start standing up well let me let me put you on the spot okay you're you're, you're a christian um, yes, so if we call ourselves christians i guess First of all, we shouldn't have any fear of what others think of us. We should only worry about the judgment of, you know, God or Father. Um, but, but along those same lines, here's my tough question for you. Do you think that the, the powers that be on the left, the far left Marxist types that are pushing the agenda for the Democrat Party, do you think that they're actually connected, as I do, directly to evil? Yes, and, and, and they know it. If you actually... I don't know if you know this, but like 15 years, of course you know because you're older than me, but 15 years ago, um, even most Democrats, you know, were Christian and had Christian values, which is why Democrat politicians pandered to Christian values. Uh, now, if you meet your average liberal or leftist, especially your leftist, they're all godless, and they all want you to know how godless they are. They tell you, oh, you praying to your sky daddy and stuff like that. They're godless, so yes. Yeah, they don't like it when we send hopes and prayers out to each other. They, they don't like that. Um, At all. Yeah. And, and now, what about the Second Amendment? I mean, it's under attack. You've got the school shootings. People want to, quote-unquote, do something. But I always say, let's do something that might work. What are your thoughts? Uh, we know it might work. If you go to like places like Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, and other places like this, we're pretty much <laughs> over 95 97% of the population have guns. And then you look at how many murders they've had in the last 10 years or the last 20 years. Um, it's clear what we should do. Obviously, if you, listen, people that want to kill people, go read the manifestos. They target places that they know won't have that many weapons because those are the places that's easier to have a successful mass shooting. Um, so you need to arm more people. If this means extra security at schools, uh, if this means arming some teachers, if not all, uh, the answer is not you know gun more gun laws. The answer is actually take the laws away. It's, it's more guns. Well, it, you know, murders against the law. So those people that are willing to commit that kind of crime don't care what other laws you put on the books, do they? I I, I don't know. You don't think uh, gun free zones stop criminals from bringing in guns? <laughs> no, I mean that'd be like putting up a sign that says "COVID free zone" and hoping that COVID watches it and stays away. 
Who would have known? Who would have known that laws don't stop people that uh, want to break the law? Yeah, I know. And and, and yet, when, anytime there's a shooting, what is the first thing the left runs to? They run to that old thing, gun control. And of course, they don't really mean it because I've, I've said, I go, all right, let's ban ARs. Let's just ban them outright. Will you leave us alone on gun control? And if they're being honest, they go, no, we'll never stop. We want all guns gone. Of course. You give them an inch, they take them out, and they're hypocrites. Because last time I checked, if, I, if Joe Biden come around or if Nancy Pelosi come around, I'm willing to bet they have armed security. Um, so are they, will their guns be taken away, too? Like, how far are we taking this theory here? Yeah, that's yeah, that's another elitist position. Yeah, nobody should have guns except uh, military police officers and my personal security detail. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Hey, we're really looking forward to uh, seeing you in Ocala at the Livestock Pavilion. It is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be an excellent time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you out there. Bryson Gray, thank you for your time. Yo, thank you so much for having me. Bryson Gray on the Bob Rose Rewind, and you can see him at Rock the Red. Go to rocktheredflorida.com for more information on that. You're listening to the Bob Rose Rewind. Coming up next, our favorite Dr. John. This time, we're going to dig in deep on mental health that's next on the bob rose rewind 97.3 the sky t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and happy Saturday. It's the Bob Rose Rewind. It's also Rock the Red Day. For more information on what's going on, Ocala, go to rocktheredflorida.com. Right now... Uh, we're going to speak to Dr. John about mental health, about shooting. What's wrong with some of today's younger people? Let's get to it. The Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Dr. John. How you doing? Okay, Greg, and I'm doing great, Bob. I just wish my phone hadn't been submerged yesterday, but I'll get it fixed somewhere. <laughs> and I'm glad to be with you all. Um no, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I listened to the news about, you know, Governor DeSantis asking for college, uh, whoever people in college to get mental health training for students. And, um, yeah, we do have a crisis of mental health. I talked about it a couple of years on a video. I mean, we, even before COVID, we had people with severe anxiety, depression, PTSD, uh, you know, all sorts of neuroses, uh, you know, panic disorder. But 33 years of medicine, friends, and I'll tell you, it really stems from more of a crisis in the families a crisis uh, of morality. Um, I, I gave one lecture to medical students, so golly, over 30 years ago and about, moral, about morality, and I said it really comes down to the development of conscience. You know, how, how are the children of today, how are their consciences being formed? 
you know, we, we grew up at a time when we had, a, obviously, mo- for most of us, you know, you know, a two-parent family, or at least neighborhoods where there were two good examples of two-parent families. And we had shows like Leave it to Beaver and Lassie and uh, Andy Griffith and uh, even Little House on the Prairie for those who were younger. And uh, all of those had great moral messages about parenting. And one of the greatest commandments that came straight from the Bible, honor thy mother and thy father, you know. And every day in my office, when I ask people about their family lives, I, every day, almost every patient, there's something going on where they don't have a connection to either a mother or a father or a child. It's lost. It's gone. Um, this is where, and this is where the, break, the breakdown of the family. I mean, Mother Teresa said, you know, in a great speech everyone should read all the time from 1985, that peace begins in the home and the family. And the greatest destroyer of peace, she said, is not guns. It's not handguns, it's not, it's not assault weapons, it's abortion. And it's no coincidence that in 1973 we became the most liberal abortion country in the world. And that is about the same time we started to see the destruction of the American family and the medical profession that I know and love so well and the education profession that my kids are in. This is all intentional. I mean, we can go on and on about that, but it has certainly had disastrous consequences for our youth, for the children of today. I, I, I don't disagree with that, uh, but I also wonder organically where we're at. And what I mean by that is, say the role of cortisol while the brain is forming and, and the children are still growing and they're under some sort of trauma at a very early age. This cortisol, uh, I, I believe, can affect them much later in life, their entire lives, and it has to do with um, making good decisions. They don't see uh, the end result of their decisions. They're not like, you know, your brain turns into a chess game where you can see three, four moves ahead, hopefully, when you're mature. That, but with cortisol, apparently there's difficulty there, and they think that has to do with a high percentage of people that are in prison is because of that. What do you think? No, you're, you're really, that's fantastic. This gets back to a, one of the most common mental health disorders that I see, which is the impulse control disorder. You see it in children all the time. I mean, sometimes they're mislabeled as ADD. But they're kids who are just out of control. But this is coming from the adrenal gland and, of course, obviously maturity in the brain. But the adrenaline, which also, of course, the adrenal gland produces cortisol, you need to learn. Children need to see examples of how this unleashing of adrenaline and cortisol can be balanced. You have the fight-or-flight response, which is predominantly driven by that adrenaline, and then you have that relaxation response, which is the other half of your nervous system. Again, guys, this gets me back to the family. I've said this forever in medicine. When you don't see a good balance, a healthy balance between a father and a mother who have an argument and then figure out how to resolve that argument and at the end of the day love each other and there's love in the family, most people don't grow up with that healthy balance. Their nervous systems haven't seen that healthy balance, that that tension between the fight-or-flight response, which is the sympathetic system, and the relaxation response which is what you should be doing when you're, you should be engaging that when you're eating your meals and sleeping and going to church and meditating. Um, this, is, this is a major crisis in America. Children are constantly engaged in the fight-or-flight response, and um, that's all they see around them. And how do we effectively separate those who suffer from, you know, the, the, the basic classic clinical depression and or anxiety versus those who manifest with violent tendencies? How do we separate those maybe in terms of terminology and how they're treated and whether or not they should possess a gun? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I, I have been very fortunate in that I have not had anybody come into my office who, who I felt, at least not for many years now, was an endangerment to themselves or society. We do have the Baker acting thing. And we, you know, it really requires, and if you don't know, everyone knows Baker acting or should know that Baker acting is an option. And when patients get increasingly 
of physically violent, sometimes even with younger children, we have to get them into, into institutions. But the parents need to recognize this. They need to know where to turn for help. And again, I keep coming back to the medical profession. It fails people often. We don't have enough people out there that recognize the symptoms of, of significant violence in these children. They are capable of it. You can see the warning signs. And the parents don't know where to turn. So I, I'm, you know, if you, I always say, guys, get out some more family doctors, because really family doctors have a whole sense of the entire family unit. What's going on? Is it disintegrating? You know? Um, but if we can just get more people coming into the mental health professions that are willing to, uh, to prescribe when necessary uh, and to, if necessary, Baker Act people institute. Some people do need to be institutionalized for a short period of time to overcome these uh, violent tendencies. But they also, need, they also need follow-up, too. You know, you've got that cooling-off period, that incident. Okay, well, they seem to have normalized and uh, that. And then you have to have, I would think, follow-up, but apparently that doesn't always occur. Now we need we need a whole restructuring of, of, of the healthcare system if that's going to happen. I mean, you look down here in Ocala, you've got the centers and the vines. They just it's kind of like a revolving door policy. I mean, they, they have some people that help. I, some some of them are my patients, but they're burned out. They're burned out with the with the quantity of, of children, adolescents, and adults who are struggling. So you know, it comes down to the basics. The stuff you guys talk about every day. You know, let's get our families back in order. Let's uh, let's find out. You know really what we can do to restore peace in our homes, in our families first. And identi- and then let's get our neighborhoods up and running. You know, we don't have good neighborhoods like we all grew up in anymore, so people don't know what's going on in the family next door, the house next door. If there's a kid who's always by himself, reach out to that kid. Let's get the Big Brother programs that are that, that uh, Chief Falcon here always talks about. On the radio. Yep. I mean, we have great programs for these kids that we need to resurrect. God, there's a lot of folks watching video games, you know, during the summers that could be out there befriending other kids in the neighborhood. Uh, so let's get go. Let's get our neighborhoods going, our families going, and uh, and show people the love of God. Uh, it, this is really what's missing more than anything. It's just you know that personal encounter with you know with our Lord. I mean, it just isn't happening. Dr. John on the Bob Rose Rewind, always a pleasure. Don't go anywhere as we continue. My next guest was a founder and former CEO of Overstock.com. Now he's rolling up his sleeves working on voter integrity. Patrick Byrne is next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Happy Saturday. Welcome. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind. He started Overstock.com, and he was a CEO for nearly 20 years. Now he's trying to make sure that elections have integrity. It's Patrick Byrne on the Bob Rose Rewind, and you can see him at Rock the Red, 97.3 The Sky. Patrick Byrne, welcome. Bob Rose, what an honor to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. Hey, uh, no, really, it's my honor. I guess my first question is the level of success you've had. You headed up Overstock.com uh, for, I don't know, close to 20 years, if not more. Uh, you were the founder, and uh, you left that. Now you're heading up the America Project. I guess my question is, why? Why, when you could be sailing around the world at your leisure, you want to roll up your sleeves and, and well, come out and hang out with us on Saturday? Well, I, uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Why? I asked myself, don't remind me, Bob, don't remind me. <laughs> so, oh, as corny as it sounds, this country was far better to me than I had any, <laughs> than any talent or merit would have actually deserved. So I, 
I feel I owe it something. And in addition, I made a promise to some people that I think our country's going down in a soft coup, and I'm quite familiar with the term, the the the, uh, the scheme, more familiar than I should be, frankly. And I feel that I, I left overstock, in fact, so I could come out publicly and try to explain what was going on. And that has led to this concern with election integrity, because I do think November 2020 had some serious mischief go on. And I'm all about peaceably addressing it and getting us to a peaceable elect, in, election with integrity in, uh, in about 21 weeks from now, if I'm not mistaken. Well, as you know, there are people working diligently to make sure that does not happen, that we don't have integrity. In fact, lately, it was even President Joe Biden when, when asked about, you know, if, if this election process was you know, going to be clean or whatever. Uh, he, he's, he had his doubts. It's interesting. They said, oh, 2020 was one of the safest, uh, best elections ever. It was all on the up and up. And then now he's putting doubts out there. Um, is this because the Democrats during the midterm are going to get wiped out? Well, I deeply, I'm deeply concerned that they're trying going to try to find some way to cancel or prevent the midterm. That they they don't want a midterm. They've waited a hundred years for this moment, and they're going full goon. I uh, remember they came in on a rigged election, and they wanted three things done in the first hundred days. They wanted to federalize election laws. So they would have all the same loopholes that, that just that let 2020 be so bizarre. They wanted to admit 25 million new undocumented Democratic voters, or so they hoped. And they wanted and they wanted to stack the Supreme Court so they would sprinkle holy water on it all. That's their mission. This is a soft coup to take over the U.S. They're, my concern is they're not going to give up power. Their way of doing that would be to provoke violence. First case, or would to have violence. The first choice would be for the right to bring violence. But if that doesn't happen, they will have their Antifa goons provoke, do everything they can to provoke violence. That's why everyone's mission is that my old mom, I'm a black belt, and I used to, my, my instructor used to teach me, you know, when a the walking dog, when you're walking and a dog barks at you, you don't feel like you've got to run over and kick the dog, bark, you know, you walk on past the barking dog. For 21 weeks, good patriotic Americans are going to have to walk on past the barking dog make your feelings known and that by not just voting but working in the voting stations working and observing in the voting stations working the process citizens have to take it back the government goons took it over from us it was originally our process we were supposed to run it on a volunteer basis and they've taken it back and it's time for us to step in and exert our right for citizens to run the election process which is correct and observe it and so forth it's in the constitution of most states frankly we just got lazy do you have confidence in the department of justice i'm afraid to say well, I think the Department of Justice, there are honest people. There are honest people, and you have to say there are honest. I've had interactions, <laughs> but on the wrong side. Anyway, no, there are honest people. There are patriotic people on both sides of the aisle. Let me tell you, I sometimes think it's this way. I think 80% of Democrats are corrupt, at least when it comes to politicians. 80% of Democrats and about 60% of Republicans. That's about how I feel about the system. And the DOJ, I used to have such respect for it, but I'll tell you a story. In 2005, I got a phone call. Uh, I'll give you a one-minute story. You'll love this. I got a phone call from a guy named Ken Green, and they came. My, my assistant came running and saying, "Patrick, the Department of Justice is on the line." And you know, when you get a phone call like that, what's your reaction to that, Bob? Yeah, I'm going to go. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I literally, I took the phone call. I saw the caller ID. It was the Department of Justice. I literally jumped to my seat at attention. I was so scared and impressed, and it turned out to be this guy. What the heck was his name? Ken Green. And he said, Mr. Byrne, I just want you to know. And he said words that will chill me. So this is word for word, and let me get through this. It's only 20 seconds. You will love this. He said, uh, I want you to know there are many people who, with eyes on you at the Department of Justice. Oh, he said, first, I want you to know I'm 
calling. I've just resigned from the Department of Justice. I'm leaving. This today's my last day. I've given them two weeks. It's still my last day. I'm packing up my box at my office. It's in my box. I'm about to walk out the door. I wanted my last official act at the DOJ to be to call Patrick Byrne. I've got five minutes to talk to you, and then I'm leaving. And I said, okay, he says, I want you to know you have a lot of people watching you, 30 or 40 people watching you at the DOJ and applauding. I was in a big fight with Wall Street at the time trying to expose I knew 08 was coming. I knew about a whole bunch of the mischief that led to 08. And they, and he said, we're watching and applauding. And in fact, we think that you're probably missing something and you're looking into this and a little too heavily, but have you ever looked into this? And he gave me these hints about a couple things. And when he was done, I said, sir, I'm very flattered and please pass to all your colleagues. I mean, this is just, you know, really flattering and uh, thank you. But I'm a little puzzled. You're an assistant United States attorney at the Department of Justice. Why? I, I'm a guy who sells toasters on the Internet. Why are you calling me about this? And he says, oh, Patrick, you have no idea how politicized the environment is within the DOJ, within which prosecution decisions get made. So it's, it's two sides, but I think that one side is, is quite dominant. And they, they've forgotten they went to law schools that did not teach the value of the rule of law so much as social justice or something. And they have no commitment. But I, I don't know. I, I think that I think as an institution, it is to be doubted. There are actually definitely honest people, even among the Democrats. Just the other other day, I heard about a Democratic uh, prosecutor making a very bold decision regarding something because it's just the right thing to do. So you right. could hope so. Well, yeah, that, and that's what we do. We have hope and faith, and, and yeah, we want uh, the election process, at the very least, to be restored effectively. Uh, you yeah, know, if you saw... Want. You, you saw that's too much to ask. No, no. make us feel like war criminals. What's so strange about asking to look at some hard drives? Hey, I never knew it was such a war crime. Hey, you know how it is. Control the message, the propaganda machine, uh, the, the lefty media, all working together. We can't even get truthful answers. You can't make sense of the policies like open borders. I mean, no, we, we can go down that list, but I, I won't, quickly want to ask you. You saw 2008 coming as a, as a major, uh, going to be a major financial uh, fiasco and problem. Okay. Now, the future cryptocurrency, blockchain stuff. I know you're big into that. I don't have a full understanding of it, but just let me ask you this. Is this the future? It is the future. It is the future, and it is possible to implement it in a way that creates a fair, uh, non-corrupt world. That was my dream, and that's what I set out to do. You can, And that's what I was associated with eight years ago, that rebuilding all these fundamental processes of civilization on blockchain. There were six of them I identified, and I started companies in these six fields. Blockchain ID, invested, blockchain ID, blockchain land governance, blockchain central banking, blockchain capital markets, blockchain supply chains, and blockchain voting. So I've actually started up or found companies in those fields eight years ago and gave them angel money. Sometimes it's just like some kids in the, you know, at MIT with an idea. And I write it. And I do think that if that takes over, in some ways it's great. You could have a free world based on that as long as the bottom layer, which is blockchain ID, is done a certain way, and which is called self-sovereign identity within the crypto, crypto community, self-sovereign identity. What's happened is the goon authoritarians are trying to hijack the whole thing by owning the ID, by the ID through the ID system. And so they're, uh, that, that, that means it could become the instrument of authoritarianism rather than uh, a tool for freedom. And I'm afraid, and that, and I'm afraid that side is winning out because of 
what's going on within the United States federal government. Yeah, my other concern is if you look at the wealth of the world, uh, you know, people at the poverty line here have a lifestyle that's better than 70 percent of the rest of the world. I guess my concern is just like a one world government type thing. It's definitely going to cost us in terms of quality of life if they're going to try to even things out in this so-called equity type world they're pushing for. Yeah, well, you know, the fundamental principle, see, I hate to get, I'm not really a religious guy. I know a lot of people in our truth movement or liberty movement or whatever we call it are very religious. I mean, in disrespect by saying that, I was raised in a very religious sort of Judeo-Catholic tradition. And to me, it all begins with an answer to that question where Abraham went forth, is what he's going forth from a world that is, is ultimately, our tradition is a tradition that, of where we're eventually the idea of consent of the governed evolved. It's a 2,500-year-old tradition, and it's sort of the ticket to ride. If you want to live in a modern liberal society, like liberal in the philosophical sense, like democracy and such, it's, uh, it's, uh, you got to practice religious toleration and religious toleration and uh, freedom of conscience and a few basic things. And 500 years, and the government is supposed to be consent of the governed. This was all decided like 800 years ago in Amsterdam and Holland. And then it, our founding, then John Locke went there and studied it and came and our founding fathers, you know, read those books. And this is our tradition consent of the government. And if they're saying that we want to, so I can make, I can poke all kinds of holes in a one world government, starting with where do you move to if you don't like it? You know, what you want is the ability to move, you know, some market among government so to retain freedom. But if uh, even a deeper objection than just why it isn't a practical idea is it inherently, you know, it didn't come about through consent of the government. And are we really going to just throw away the most foundational atomic principle of our tradition? And if so, do we get, is anyone going to ask us about that? Yeah. And well, no, because they've already shown they don't care about consent of the government, as they illustrated in the November 2020 election, which took their goons. I, I got to tell you, I, I love what you're talking about. Uh, I love the uh, the depth of uh, of your knowledge and, and also the founding of a very successful company. I look forward to listening to you uh, speak at length at Rock the Red uh, in uh, coming to Ocala on Saturday. Patrick Byrne, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Bob. Pleasure to be on your show. Patrick Byrne on the Bob Rose Rewind. You can hear more from him if you go to rocktheredflorida.com because we have the big Rock the Red event today in Ocala. Coming up next, the one, the only, Roger Stone on the Bob Rose Rewind. Hang on. 97.3 The Sky. Happy Saturday, or how we know it as Rock the Red Saturday, because that's going on in Ocala later on today. For more information, go to rocktheredflorida.com. In fact, one of the guest speakers is Roger Stone, and he's with us right now. This guy is a political consultant. He's worked with Nixon, Reagan, Trump. You probably know who he is. You're going to learn more about him right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, gentlemen. I feel like I can call you Roger because I met you one time for about 12 seconds. That's perfectly all right. I've been <laughs> called much worse. I, I appreciate that. Uh, look, sir, you are a prime example, number one, of the weaponizing of the DOJ, the FBI. The Democrats are clearly attacking their political enemies. I'm sure you are aware of what happened to Peter Navarro. I'm sure you remember uh, waking up with uh, CNN cameras trained on you and a SWAT team descending on your home uh, you know, if you want to expound on that at all, or just tell us in general about this this weaponization, we know this is not good for America. Yeah, no. Unfortunately, I feel very badly for Peter Navarro. Uh, he got the full Roger Stone treatment, 
course, in, in my case, I was ultimately convicted in a kangaroo court for lying to Congress about Russian collusion that we now know definitively never actually happened. So how one lies about things that never really happened is virtually impossible, except for in D.C., where neither the law nor the Constitution have any bearing on the outcome of any criminal trial if the person in the crosshairs is a Trump supporter. People don't know this, but on November 3rd, 2020, Election Day, at midnight, by federal court order, Robert Mueller was forced to disgorge the final long-redacted sections of his secret report, which admitted that he had no evidence against me whatsoever regarding Russian collusion, WikiLeaks collaboration, or the involvement in the phishing and publication of John Podesta's embarrassing emails. So my entire trial was fraudulent, but that didn't stop 29 SWAT-clad, heavily armed FBI agents from rousting me at 6 o'clock in the morning with CNN cameras in tow. Yeah, they definitely wanted to make a show out of that. Uh, I guess they did the same thing with uh, Peter Navarro. And and then at the same time, there's an avoidance from the media of talking anything that has to do with Hunter Biden. Uh, they pulled the plug again on the New York Post as they exposed another piece of video with him naked uh, with a hooker and uh, flashing a gun around. Same time as dad's telling us about gun control. Well, and, and yesterday, uh, the Epoch Times reported on uh, documents that have been found outlining uh, an insurrection at the Supreme Court in order to try to close down the court on the eve of the Roe v. Wade decision. Now, where's Homeland Security? Where's the FBI? One of those people being rounded up. No, we have a, we have a, two-term, a two-tier justice system. If you're Michael Sussman uh, or if you are uh, Andrew McCabe or if you're Rod Rosenstein, you can lie to Congress under oath. You can lie to the FBI. You will pay no consequences because you're a Democrat. Uh, but if you are a supporter of the president, like General Michael Flynn or myself, they'll just fabricate charges against you and then take you in front of an epically corrupt judge with a rigged jury and try to destroy your life. So one of the things I'm going to talk about uh, on Saturday uh, when I visit Ocala for this Rock the Red rally, which I'm very excited about, is a new phenomena in American politics. In other words, as you know, I worked for three American presidents, including one of our greatest presidents, Ronald Reagan. We had to drag people out to our rallies. We, we had to fill the room. Today, rank-and-file patriots are showing up for these exciting events, paying a few bucks to get in, meeting some of the most influential conservatives or conservative spokespeople in the country. It's a new phenomenon, but we're going to have a big crowd on Saturday. And, of course, my friend Eric Trump will be speaking as well. Yeah, we are all looking forward to it. We're going to be the masters of ceremony there, so we look forward to it as well. All right, so we, we know you loved Reagan. Everybody everybody does. But you also worked with Nixon and Dole and G.W. Bush and Donald Trump. Out of those guys, who, who did you think was the most, I guess, interesting? Who would you want to hang out with the most and, I guess, as they say, have a beer with, so to speak? Well, my, my answer might surprise you. The most interesting of them, of course, would be Richard Nixon. I mean, he, like me, was a political animal, uh, and he had an encyclopedic knowledge of American politics in every corner of the country. Uh, he was certainly the most fascinating of the presidents. Reagan was very great, but very, very reserved. Reagan was, first and foremost, a performer, very focused on his performance and his role as a communicator-in-chief but when you hung out with him, once you got past the stories of his bachelor days in Hollywood, 
where he uh, dated some of the most beautiful women uh, in history. Um, you know, he wasn't really, uh, he wasn't, other than a big picture, he was not a political guy. And, of course, Trump is, is just fun to be with because he's self-deprecating, he's funny, he's entertaining, he's, he's genuine, he's authentic. In other words, unlike some politicians, he's not a confection, there's nothing fake about him, there's no artifice. What you see is what you get. Guy loves a good cheeseburger, he loves a naughty story, he's a great guy, he's just a regular human being. Well, thanks and he's for... not at all, he's not snobby, he's not elitist, he's just a regular guy. Well, we were just talking to uh, Joe Flynn, you know, part of that whole uh, The America Project, and I asked him, yep. I'll ask you the same question, if uh, another election was held today, um, do you think that this go-around, with some of the changes made to some of the laws, would it be fair? Uh, my guess is the answer would be no, because largely the election reforms we have seen have come in Republican states where Republicans have control of the machinery. So let's take Pennsylvania, for example. There, there is no question that mail-in voters uh, votes are specifically unconstitutional in Pennsylvania, spelled out in the Constitution. The Republicans in the state legislature passed it anyway. We call these people rhinos. That's what they're called. Uh, the lower courts in Pennsylvania have struck down the mail-in voting. But it is now on appeal to the state Supreme Court, which is highly political and leans left. Meanwhile, this November, mail-in voting will still be in place for the races for governor in the U.S. Senate. Therefore, you can jump all up and down all you want about Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is going to lose. That's because he's not going to get a fair election. Doug Mastriano, the Republican candidate for governor, good man, state senator, I believe he will also be robbed. The Republicans kind of did this to themselves. How did? Oh, because of some of the rhinos that went along with it, even though, as you said, and we said it when it was unfolding, yeah, clearly unconstitutional. I don't even well, know. Well, Republicans have a majority in the House and the Senate there. They passed mail-in voting. They approved it because they mistakenly thought that it would protect them in a Trump downdraft. In truth, in the end, Trump ran far ahead of them. So... Pennsylvania Republicans have rigged the system against themselves. It's a it's a very sad state of affairs. All right, two part question, putting you on the spot. Uh, do you think President Trump will run again? And if he does not run, who would you like to see at the top of the ticket? That's a difficult question. First of all, I don't. I think he would like to run, based on my own conversations with him as recently as last week. I think he would very much like to run. I don't think he's made a final decision to run. I don't know why he would decide about 2024 until he sees the results of 2022. If we don't have a free, fair, honest, and transparent election in 2022, I don't know why he would run only to get cheated again. Uh, it's important to understand that when the left say, oh, the courts rejected all your argument. No, the courts refused to hear the arguments about a fraudulent election. They didn't reject the arguments. They never considered them. No court, no regulatory body, no legislative body ever weighed the evidence of election fraud and irregularities any place. So when they say that's all been rejected, no, it hasn't been rejected. It was never heard. It was never examined. Uh, if he doesn't run, uh, I think there's no question Governor DeSantis is off to a quick start. On the other hand, if I were him, I'd pay attention to 2022 because the last poll I saw, he was only leading Charlie Crist by three points. This is not a red state. This is a purple state. Mm -hmm. uh, and you need to stay focused on 2022 before you focus on 2024. Governor DeSantis, uh, yesterday I saw that he's restoring the funding to those school districts 
that ignored his mask mandate and continued to mask children for a good six months after he had already outlawed masks. That seems like backtracking to me. And then I've heard him say, and if they send illegal immigrants to Florida, I'm going to send them to Delaware. Well, Governor, when is the first one leaving? When's that happening? Because so far, nobody's left. Yeah, unlike uh, Governor Abbott, who actually followed through with uh, sending some folks to D.C. But on that note... Roger Stone, now we can see why you've worked for Nixon and Reagan and Dole and George W. Bush and Donald Trump uh, with a great deal of success under your belt. Obviously, you know what you're talking about, and we want to hear you talk more Saturday in Ocala. So thank you for your time. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yes, the one and only Roger Stone on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thanks to all my guests, including Patrick Byrne, Dr. John, Bryson Gray, And I know you're going to want to go to Rock the Red later on today, so go to rocktheredflorida.com for more information. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bob Rose Rewind. I invite you to tune in Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show, along with Greg Cassidy, right here on 97.3 The Sky. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.